And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Greetings and welcome back to One True Pod, the Athletics Big 12 Football Podcast. I'm Jason Kersey, joined by Sam Kahn. Last time we had on a Big 12 head coach, this time we're bringing back Max Olson instead. Max. Uh, we're, 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 yeah, it's, it's much better to have you. I, well, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm really honored that you guys would, would <laughs> you know, come back onto my podcast. I appreciate it. You know, this. you know, you know, as I said that it sounded worse than it did in my head when I was formulating that hey, intro, you know, I really enjoyed the Lance Leipold podcast. It was a great, uh, you know, we've hit that time of the year guys where, um, especially with having a new baby, like kind of my podcast time is like either driving to daycare or mowing the lawn. So it was a great mowing the lawn pod. I thought the Lance Leipold <laughs> interview, great job. Or you yeah, have a pattern in which you mow the lawn. Do you have to go straight up and down? Do you try to crisscross? Do you try to make it look like baseball? Look, field? first What's of all, my strategy? lawn's not looking so great. So no one should take any <laughs> lawn care advice from me. But yeah, I just sort of switch from vertical and horizontal every week. I, I wish I was skilled enough to do anything but that. What about you? I I I like to go just vertical. Just keep it keep it simple. I, I I'm okay. no Adam Kramer. I don't. They're not. It's no. not worth posting on Twitter of what it looks like. But. I would love to just watch like a live stream of how Adam mows his lawn <laughs> because his lines just look way better than mine do. Yeah. You know. I don't know that you can make my lines out. I just as long as it looks all even and it's. Do you have much of that, type. Jason? Do you have to mow much? Uh, I pay a guy. I'm lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Look, look, I can do it and I have done it, but I don't know to mower right now. And also I'm okay. lazy. So, and also it is hot here in Oklahoma. I don't oh, know yeah. if you guys would have any reason to know this. I don't know what it's like in Texas or Nebraska, but it has been brutal the last month or so here in Oklahoma. Yeah, Sam, so. how you doing? Yeah, it's actually, it's starting to get to that place about two weeks ago. I, I had said it's, it's summer, you know, down here in Houston is, and I was in, Texas Tech over the weekend I was at their camp on Sunday and that thing went from one to four and when I walked out at 415 up that tunnel I thought I was gonna pass out is how hot it was it you was probably lost like 10 up. pounds at that camp yeah you know? uh, I, I Sonny Cumbie actually had to go retrieve a couple of bottle of water for me out of the field house because <laughs> I I was not doing well it, it, the, yeah. and we're a little bit closer to the sun the elevation's a little bit higher at Texas Tech than it is down here in Houston we're more closer to sea level, so I was a lot closer to the sun than I usually am in Houston. Uh, so it, it was definitely hot, and uh, but certainly I wasn't running around, running around like the players. So I oh survived. God, are you are you doing College Station next? No, I, I already did. I did their camp. I did no, Texas. but are you doing State Seven on Seven? Oh, I'm up in the air. So so that's okay. Thursday and Friday. And because I feel I like am, the last time you and I did that, it was it was a death. Yeah. Thing. Well, was, and the last time you and I did that, it was in mid July. They moved it up to like oh, that's June. true. So it's this that's week. True. It's Thursday yeah. and Friday, Saturday. So I think I'm gonna go out there for a day, but I won't go out there all day. Uh, I'm going to have some self preservation in mind for State Seven on Seven. But uh, they moved it up, so it's not at the hottest part of the year, but it's still oh, pretty man. dang hot right now. Wow. 
that is look i there's no there's no question this is what our listeners want to hear about so yeah i know i'm glad we're getting, <laughs> I'm glad we're getting into this What's on the what's on the docket today, Jason? I, I think I think what listeners want to hear about is the the proposed twelve team college football playoff. How about that, guys? I mean, you know that when that came out, uh, I was fired up. I don't know about you guys. I think it's great. I, I think it's I think it's awesome. Uh, oh yeah. It's and it's also not what I expected. I mean, was twelve really a number anyone was kicking around publicly much? I, I always thought it'd be eight or or something, but I was a little bit surprised by the the twelve number and by how they formatted it. I, I was so impressed because um, we're. I think we're all just sort of like accustomed to, oh, they're going to make some change. It's probably going to be. It's probably going to suck in some way. You know, like it's probably going to be some compromise that that no one's totally happy about. So um, I was really impressed that this was just like a fully form, like fully baked idea that answers sort of all the questions that come with it. And honestly, I think kind of like does solve like all the problems that we're kind of dealing with right now in, in college. Well, not all the problems, but you know, um, I, I, in terms of the postseason, like I, I really, really like, I really love it. Like you can quibble over certain details, like, you know, um, you know, the sites of second round games being at bowls versus, at, you know, home games or whatever. But like, I don't know. I mean, what did you think, Sam? Was, were you pretty impressed by the whole thing or, or, or I guess surprised that this is how it came together? I was pleasantly surprised because I expect the least from college football leadership. I mean, this is this right. is a group of people who had resisted a playoff for so long and told us, you know, Bill Hancock told us that a playoff would be unfeasible. And, uh, of course, we eventually got there, but then we got the minimalist form of it with mm-hmm. four teams, very exclusive. And so I expected it to be eight. I expected it to be eight teams, five power five champions, a group of five automatic champion bid and then two at larges sure i i am a proponent of 16 because i think every conference champion should get a bid but i can live with 12 the the fact and the fact the thing that impressed me the most is that they did not guarantee power five bids they said the top six ranked conference champions and that to me gives me some optimism because you look at a year like last year then you would have had two group of five teams in it, Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina. So the fact that and, you, and Oregon probably shouldn't have been in it last year, exactly. You know, and as I a th- four and two team, I think that's part of the biggest complaint for people who were arguing against an expanded playoff and guaranteeing conference champions is who's your twenty third ranked team that wins a conference championship and gets in. Well, guess what? This guards against that with the way it's formatted. So I, I like the end result, and I think inclusion is much better when it comes to keeping interest throughout the college football season for the rest of the country. I think my biggest issue with it, and I, again, nothing is going to be perfect. I think that we need to go into it saying that, yeah. like, I mean, there's, it's impossible to make everyone happy. Well, and, I, and to put a fixed number, like there's some years when there are, you know, eight really, really good teams. Right. And there's some years when there's just not, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and that's going to be the case. I think with the 12, some years we're going to say, man, the, the full deal. This is like the first round is incredible. And there's going to be some years when you're like, eh, it's kind of weird that this team got in, you know, but, but that's but, part of setting a fixed thing every year, you know? Well, yeah. You know, I mean, there, what, how many years did, have we gone or ha, have we had in the past where the NFC East champion was a stinker and oh, still sure. got in the playoff? I mean, that stuff yeah. happens. So you're just going to have to deal with that. My, my big quibble with it, I think is the fact that the top four um, teams don't get to host a game uh, at their home stadium. I, I think that, I don't even know how you fix that because they do get a buy and that's that's important. I just 
you know, the amount of money that you're going to make from a home playoff game is so large that it kind of sucks that the top four teams are excluded from that. And then I guess if you're Notre Dame, it kind of sucks that you can't get a buy. It's impossible to get a buy, but at the same time, I mean, join Join a conference. conference. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not cool. I'm not, uh, shedding tears yeah. for Notre Dame. But no, I will tell me, you that I, to, I think that eventually cooler heads will prevail on the on the first four seeds because there's no way I don't think we can finalize a version of this with five, six, seven, and eight hosting games and one through four not. So, it so just let, seems let's talk about that specifically then, Jason. When you think about last year, um, you know, you live in, in, in Norman, like okay, let's say Oklahoma the way it would have set up last year, Oklahoma ends up being the four seed because they won a conference title. Notre Dame can't be in the top four because they didn't win the ACC. So they're the five seed. They're playing Coastal Carolina in South Bend, which I think we'd all like to see. Winner of that plays Oklahoma, right? What, what do you think that would have been like to have a Notre Dame or, or Coastal, but to have Notre Dame come to Norman for a second round game in a playoff to try and you know get to the Final Four? I, I, I can, I actually, if it was Notre Dame, I can speak from experience. The 2012 Notre Dame Oklahoma game in Norman is one of the greatest most exciting big time incredible atmospheres I've ever been around it's probably number one in Norman in terms of the games I've covered in Norman Uh, the whole build up to it the history of the two programs um, the fact that they don't play very much but they've got all this history between you know the who really came up with play like a champion today who really um, uh, uh, what was the uh, oh Notre Dame's the one that snapped their 47 game winning streak in the 50s like all of that stuff was so exciting and it was on national TV game day was there. It was awesome. And so, um, I, I, I think that would have been incredible, but I also think coastal Carolina would have been cool. They were kind of the hot team. Everybody was rooting for seeing them play a game in Norman. I mean, that would have been huge for their program. I, I don't know that for they sure. would have had a real chance to win that game, but it would have been awesome. And, uh, again, just the amount, the economic impact of something like that on this area would, would have been just unbelievable and and let's let's remember to compare it to the alternative which is um instead they go play a new year six game against a florida team that didn't give a shit you know and had a bunch of players opt out and you know dan mullen said this doesn't even you know this is our 2021 team or whatever right like the 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 massive difference when pitts and tony and all these guys are playing in a first round game of a playoff like they're not gonna opt out of that You, you know what i mean like i think that and and you know, I, I just think that would mean as 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 much as whipping Florida has been great for Oklahoma and their momentum this offseason and all that stuff. Like, I just have to think that's way more significant to get a game like that at home versus you know going down to Dallas to play it. Well, that's the that's the thing. Uh, I, I just I know that they want to ret- rem- uh, keep the bowl system intact in some way, and and I do understand that from a certain perspective. You know, th- those week long trips are really fun for the players. They get a lot of uh, they get to go places they've never been, play in these big stadiums. But damn, I I, I wish I, I think it'd be awesome if every round was at was at home sites until you got to the uh, until you got to the championship game. I don't know if that's feasible or if that's possible, but I think that'd be unbelievable. It is. I agree. I agree with you. I would be down for hosting semifinals at on the home stadiums. That would be an incredible atmosphere if you had, let's say, last year Alabama and Oklahoma in Tuscaloosa, or Clemson and Ohio State in Death Valley. Like that would be incredible. Now, to your point, 
I don't understand why we can't do this. I don't understand why, like, yeah, do the does the bowl experience really good? Absolutely. I don't understand why they can't live concurrently. People are still going to watch the games. Like, the, the yeah. stadiums are not going to be sold out for these bowls. But ratings have showed we watched that December 23rd, whatever, Dollar General Bowl or whatever it is sure. on ESPN. Yeah. People are tuning into this stuff. So that's not going to change in the era of the playoff. I don't I don't think it will change at all. Now, will more players opt out of those bowls? Sure, but that's. I think that was going to happen regardless of whether you have an expanded playoff or not. Yeah. No, yeah, there's, there's – obviously there's – as we've seen yesterday, like there's hurdles to this still in the sense of – got to figure out the Rose Bowl piece of this and and sort of like how to how do we make this transition while keeping everyone happy there's apparently this sort of talk of like when can we launch this i think everyone our, ourselves included is going to be furious if you have to wait 5 years to actually implement this I, I don't think that can actually be the case so certainly curious to see how they smooth all that out but i i am curious guys what do you think this setup uh, means for the Big 12. And I, and I think you can start by looking at that and saying, well, what would it have meant for the Big 12? You know, I wrote the piece over the last decade, um, or I wrote the piece about what the last decade of a 12-team playoff looks like in this sport. And in this conference, I mean, yeah, Iowa State gets in last year, uh, obviously, in, in addition to Oklahoma. But um, I think the, the Big 12 actually ends up faring fairly well. They have 17 teams make it over a decade, Baylor gets in three times, Iowa State one time, K-State three times, Oklahoma gets in seven times, Oklahoma State once, TCU twice. Like, what do you think, um, like, don't you think if you're a fan of the Big 12 or, or, or of a team in the Big 12, this format is, uh, you know, really a swinging a door wide open to kind of change the perception of the league? It's huge because look at, I jotted this all down. So based on your piece, Max, which is really good, y'all check that out on what the last 10 years of the playoff would have looked like if there was a playoff with a 12-team format. 2014, you go from zero teams in the playoff to two with Baylor and TCU. TCU gets in as the 11th seed in 2015. Uh, You have no teams in 2016. Oklahoma is your one team in 17. Baylor gets in in 2019. And like you said, Iowa State gets in last year. So what it does is it changes it to where basically right now the Big 12 is Oklahoma or nobody gets in the playoff. That's pretty much what it has been. In right. the existence of playoff, now you open the door for Baylor, TCU, Texas, teams like that to actually sneak their way in. Uh, I, 2014, K State would have gotten in too uh, on the back end. So th- this opens the door for all those other teams in the Big 12 who are essentially are out as soon as they lose a game, whereas you can play your way in if you get in that Big 12 title game and win it. Yeah, yeah, and if you lose the Big Twelve title game, you can still get in it. And I, I think yeah, if that, you're if you're undefeated or one yeah. loss, yeah, you still got a shot. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's tremendous for the Big Twelve um, because yeah, like like you said, I mean, it feels like if it's not Oklahoma, it's nobody. And um, I I was honestly surprised that Oklahoma State only makes it once. By the way, in the last ten years, that I don't know. They it feels yeah, like they've been better than that. Yeah, there's some years they come close for sure. Yeah, there's and there are not that many years when Texas comes close, which is a whole separate discussion of this. Well, look, we'll at get this into last that. Decade. <laughs> we'll get we'll get into the Longhorns here in a moment when we when we talk about the state of but the program. I, but I you know I would think that um, you know I, I I would have to think that over the course of a decade if TCU is like you know getting that validation of being in the playoff like don't you think that totally changes the way kids in the DFW area look at that program and say yeah look I mean they aren't the traditional power they were in you know 
you know, G5 leagues in the past. But now if you, I mean, I, I kind of think this is going to, now I, I don't believe that the, the reason I think the, the, the 12-team format is like ultimately not that harmful to the sport is because I still think Alabama and all them are still going to win the title most times, right? I, I don't think, I think the Cinderella run to the national title is going to still be really hard. Um, but I think that it's going to mean so much more. And when you look at 44 programs getting into a, a 12-team playoff over the last 10 years in this format, I think that's going to do so much more for these programs trying to catch up and keep up um, than saying, oh, we made a New Year's Bowl this year, you know, and we, we won it or lost or whatever. Like to be able to say, yeah, we're a playoff program now or we're on the cusp of being in a, in a, a playoff program um, more than just once every four years. I, I, I think that for a TCU, obviously, you know, Baylor would have made it in a few times. Um, I think right now for an Iowa State, if you're Matt Campbell and you, you're at the door here, like do you have to leave for huge jobs to be in the playoff if you can kind of keep this thing rolling and, and, and have a decent chance of making it in a bunch of years now? Yeah, I think yeah. you're right about TCU is it does change. And I, I would argue Gary Patterson and, and those guys have done actually a pretty good job of getting themselves in the mix for high-end four-star type talents. They have, yeah. You know, against the Oklahoma's They and fought the really hard over the last decade to, to improve their position in terms of like a perception standpoint in the state. But you get in the playoff a couple of years, that yeah. I think that that nails you another couple of guys. You're not going to all of a sudden overtake Oklahoma and Texas in the recruiting rankings, but certainly it allows you the opportunity to steal more of those guys because there's going to be those guys that say, you know what? I love your program. I love everything you're about, but I want to win a national championship, and I got a better shot of doing that at Oklahoma. And and now, if you're TCU and you have a seat at the table, and if you're Gary Patterson over the last six, seven years, I guess not the last two or three, but before that, for a pretty good stretch, he's in that conversation. That team is in that conversation every year. And so that that changes. A co- and those players that we're talking about are difference maker players. They're not you're getting an extra three star here. It's t- we're talking four star high level kids where. Every little factor matters, and I think for the Baylors, for the TCUs, and even to a certain extent for Texas, who hasn't been in this conversation, that access matters a lot for them. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I, I would. I, I know this is a Big Twelve podcast, but I think one of the biggest winners of all of this, in the same vein, is SMU because they're already recruiting really well. Sonny yep. Dykes has done such a good job down there, but now they get three or four really big time players a year. And they win their conference, which they should in that scenario. They're going to be in the playoff most years, right? I mean, I think if, SMU. If you're Sonny Dykes, and if you're you're Gus Malzahn, like. You don't. You can retire at the place you're at, right? Yes. Now. You know what I mean. Yes. Like you can be so successful now with the way this is going to set up that you don't have to be like, ah, oh, man, 
I really got to take that SEC job just to try and compete for championships. Like, you don't have to now. Yeah, it does. I think you're right. It changes the calculus, I think, more for coaches than it does for players because you have a legitimate path to the playoff. I mean, I think that was, you know, Houston has had this issue every time they've had a successful coach. Kevin Sumlin left for Texas A&M, Tom Herman left for Texas. Uh, I think those those moves still happen even if you're in a 12-team playoff world, but maybe it takes a little longer for it to happen. Maybe you're able to hold on to a guy for more than three or two or three or four years if you have that access to the playoff and if you're able to get there consistently because under those two coaches, Houston would have gotten to the playoff. You're right. Scott I think Frost it does change at dynamic. UCF. <laughs> yeah, I think it does change the dynamic at the top of the G5 where I think if you have a top, like the top 10 jobs at the G5 level should be like super desirable jobs now. And Dana Holgerson was probably smart to jump on one of them, you know, I think, and, and Gus Malzahn certainly was too. He didn't need to. He, he had all that buyout money from Auburn, but um, I do think it changes that. And it probably also changes the dynamic from that standpoint too of like, okay, so then why do they need the Big 12? You know, why does the Big 12 need to expand and add those programs if they can, you know, achieve these gains just by being the best G5 team? Do you have a better mm-hmm. shot of the playoff if you're Texas Tech or SMU right now? Oh, yeah. It's not absolutely. even close. Yeah, you're right. You're I mean, right. So, so, so that that's where I think the recruiting will manifest itself the most, where, yes, as we were talking about TCU or the upper-tier programs in the Big 12 – We'll have a better shot at the playoff, made better shot at recruits. It also could hurt the Texas Techs and the Baylors of the world who are recruiting the same caliber prospect that Houston and SMU are recruiting because now you can, if you're SMU or Houston, you you have that clear path to playoff, and now you probably have a better path there than Baylor Texas Tech does. Oh, and I, I think that I, I just sort of love how this sort of reframes the hope within the sport too because if you are, if you're a Texas Tech, like we'll, we'll take that for example, right? Um, the way the fourteen playoff is set up, you have to go undefeated. You have to win your conference, and he, and 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 then that's the only way to get in. If you're a one loss Texas Tech, you're never going to get in. And if you're at Texas Tech, you're also never going to recruit like Ohio State and Alabama and Clemson, right? There's nothing you could possibly do um, that's going to suddenly make Texas Tech a top five, top ten recruiter. So how are you supposed to break into that club? You you can't, right? And so. I love that, you know, like you look at 08, um, one of our, you know, the all-time great Big 12 years. Oklahoma would be the one seed. Texas would be the five seed. Texas Tech would be the seven seed. Oh and they would God. all have a chance to like win games and, and and that would be incredible, right? I love that if you have that one big year, there is a chance to get into this thing and make a run and, and totally like transform the situation for your program. And I just don't think a four-team playoff – enabled that at all. And I think that's why there's a lot of people that just sort of checked out because it just turns into the Alabama Clemson conversation in November, no matter what. I'm glad well, you brought did- that up that 08 yeah. season, because that was, that's a perfect test case because you remember how stacked the big 12 was at one point, Oklahoma state was in the top 15. Missouri was in the top 15 at one point during that year. And then that Texas tech team, could you imagine that Texas tech team with Graham Harrell and Michael Crabtree and all those guys in a playoff Right. It, that that would have been incredible theater. They're, they'd be playing an Ohio State team in the first round, which would be wow. awesome to see. Like That's we'd awesome. never get to see a, a game like that. And even the 08 one's funny too because you actually get um, with the way the conference titles set up and all that stuff, you actually get um, four group of five teams in that year. So like that would have been an awesome <laughs> year for the Big Twelve. You would have had Utah, um, Boise, TCU, and Cincinnati all getting in that year. So 
I, I, that, that part of it, I can't wait for just that. There's going to be some really weird years. And there's gonna be some years when we're kind of annoyed because they're like, we don't think this team is that good, but they have to fill out 12 or there's going to be some conference champ. That's just not that great. That gets in or whatever. But I, I can't wait for like I, the, the chaotic part of it, I think is great. And I think that th- this is the thing that big 12 should have been fighting for for years. College football is weird. That's why we love it. And it's just going to get weirder. And that makes it even better. So I'm, I'm all for it. I do wonder, and we're going to get into TCU here in a little bit, but like how much would it have tra- transformed TCU's program if they'd made it in 2014? If, if they had actually made it, the like, I mean, I actually think Baylor should have made it over them since they beat them, but that's a whole nother conversation. But if TCU gets in, like a lot of people think they should have, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe that maybe that transforms their program in a way that we can't even fathom. You know? Yeah, I think you you don't you don't have this little run that they've had the last three years where they've kind of not worked out very well. They've not uh, they've struggled under Gary Patterson standards. Not won double digit games. I think it's a lot easier to guard against that seven and six, five and seven, six and four. I think. I, all of a sudden you follow up that 2014 team where you go 12 and one, you go 11 and two. Maybe you don't have that six and seven dip in 2016. You know, maybe you, again, you land a couple of big time stud recruits coming off that 14 signing class. And maybe that sets you up a little bit better. And then now that becomes a trickle down effect where now you're, you're consistently in the conversation for the big 12 championship, as opposed to we're going to be there every couple of years. Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah. by the way, Jason, when you go through these, you know, when I do these, this decade of brackets, do you think there's in this setup, do you think Oklahoma would have won it all once? Oh man. Um, that's a good, do you question. think that that history has changed a little bit too, potentially? I, I'm, that's a great question. That's a great question. I mean, what happens in 2017, for example, uh, and I don't have your article in front of me, so but who would they have played in 2017? They're the two seed. They would get uh, the winner of Miami Auburn, which is like solid teams, not you know not teams that were, they would win those games. We saw Auburn lose to UCF that year. Obviously, Miami lost to Wisconsin, I believe. Um, so, but Oklahoma still ends up playing Georgia probably in the in the Final Four, mm-hmm. and we know that was a coin flip game, basically. Yeah. Well, maybe they win a few games, they get on a roll. I mean, maybe that uh, you know maybe that that allows them to win. I mean, they were winning that game by two touchdowns at halftime. So, I mean, right. Uh, you know, and and I still believe that if they'd beaten, if they'd held on and won that game, I think they would have beaten that Alabama team. Uh, it I, I it really would have been do. a fun on the other side of that bracket that year. You have Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, USC, and Penn State, and and UCF. Like it's a pretty loaded other side of the bracket. So maybe, you know, maybe they could have gone all the way. I'll also, t- it would have been an upset. I'll also take it a step further, a little alternative history. If OU wins that game against Georgia and plays Alabama, their defense was so bad, Jalen Hurts wouldn't have got pulled. He would have never transferred no. to OU, and no. you know, everything's different. So, seriously. <laughs> alternative come in. Yeah. Oh, no. It, so. it, no, cor- correct. It would have been a shootout, and uh, Tua never would have gone in the game. The Tua would have transferred would, then. Maybe he would have transferred. Tua transferred. If, if Tua does not play in the national championship game, Tua transfers, and he's not at Alabama anymore. I think that was yeah. a pretty open secret in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, that's fun. I like that. All right, let's um, let's that that was any any last points on the uh, hey look at that we got Ari Wasserman here. Hey, all right, what are you Surprise. doing? Yeah, I was actually really engaged in this discussion you guys were having. I was hoping you weren't going to call on me because that was that that seemed really fun. <laughs> Ari just Ari just wandered into our Zoom room. What's up, dude? There you go. How you guys doing? Good, man. How are you? We're I'm just living the dream. You know how it is. 
I mowed my lawn today. Strollers. So uh, yeah, I saw ooh, that. We, that that's what we just talked about. We, right, what talking, we opened up with lawn mowing conversation to the podcast. Did you go vertical, horizontal, circles? What'd you it, do? It looks like nine different lawn mowers went in different directions. So like this is only the <laughs> second time I've ever done it. Uh, but we're we're, we're it trying was a group effort. Yeah, it was yeah. it was. Uh, it was something, but you know, I took the sh- my shirt off, so I felt like a real man out there, you know, in the backyard. The sun rays hit me, um, and then came in and had some water. So uh, I know I'm supposed to do it on the weekends and have a beer afterward, but you know, one step at a time, guys. You know how it is. I'm, I'm with you. You know, I'm I'm in the market. Here's how dad mode I am now. I'm in the market for. I want to get me a new trimmer that's got an edger on it. You know, I really want. I want to take that step. In my life, I don't know if you guys have those. I have a, a um, I don't know what an edger is, but I don't know if it's the same thing as a weed whacker. It's basically just pointing the trimmer down and, yeah. and cleaning up the side. Yeah, so there. I got um, a motorized, uh, a uh, electric lawnmower, and then I have a weed whacker that takes the same battery. So I wow. wait. What brand? What brand did you go? Ryobi. With? It was uh, okay, and I called right. it Ryobi the first time, and people were laughing at me. But <laughs> you know, I've got. I, I, I'm a. Uh, I'm taking a lot of big steps in, in into dad world right now, and uh, I'm tripping a lot, but I, I'm enjoying it. You're you're as the coaches say, you're you're drinking from the dad fire hose right now. <laughs> yeah. <for sure>. <laughs> <laughs> well, our second uh, time talking about lawn mowing was really fun, but let's get to why Ari's actually here. Um, <laughs> Ari, <laughs> you wrote uh, one of the latest Big Twelve State of the Program pieces for the Athletic on. TCU, a program that we were just talking about, has had a really interesting stretch here where they get within, you know, a, a few points of the playoff, and and now they've they've fallen off a little bit. But I think there's some optimism that things could turn back around. Um, so, just start off. What, what was your conversation with Gary Patterson like? What uh, what do you think about the TCU program now that you've kind of dived into it? Well, first of all, that guy's really interesting. He, he's an interesting guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, we got into his scuba diving passion and his country music. And I went and listened to the song, actually. I'm not a big country guy, but it sounded legit. It sounded pretty it sounded good. professional. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think that, you know, and you guys have been doing this long enough to know what I mean. But when a coach is is confident about what he has, you can almost sense it in just their, their temperament a little bit. And I, I think that, you know, if you're a TCU fan or, or somebody who's been paying attention to the program, you, you know this is a critical year. And... Um, you guys are the experts here on this stuff, so I'm not, you know I'm just trying to to sound good enough for uh, you know the 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 lessons you gave me on it. But I, I went and I looked back, and you know they were uh, you know 18 and 17 overall um, over the past three years, and before that they were 40 and 13 in, in, in the four years before that, and shared a Big 12 title. So I think that this year people are hoping that TCU will get back into that mix, and you know maybe this will be. A different discussion and I always hijack these podcasts and then change it a little bit but to me as a casual fan of the sport it seems to me that the big 12 games are usually more competitive and closer than other power five conferences and when you go back and you look at the way the TCU has performed in the last few years there's not like they're getting blown out they're losing a lot of close games and when you look at the conference as a whole there's just a lot of close games I feel like if you look at the gambling spreads, it's always three three points for every game every week, except for the one that Oklahoma's you know in, involved in, or um, the one Kansas is involved in. Kansas, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And 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 watch out for the spread when both of them are involved. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it just seems to me that they have a very uh, deep team talent wise. Um, there aren't a lot of weaknesses that you can look at at the roster and say, hey, they need a they need help here. 
And, you know, the offensive skill talent is is kind of off the charts in comparison to where it's been in the past for them. And I think you can just trust Gary Patterson's going to have a really good defense. So, like, to me, when you look at the schedule, it, it seems like they've got a really brutal start. <laughs> you know, they have to play SMU early on. They've got California, which is improving under Will Cox. And then their opener in the Big 12 is Texas. So I think that the way that they start, you know, is going to be a big thing. And by October 16th, when they play Oklahoma, you're going to know whether this team is good or not. So, you know, I think it's all there on the table. I, it, you know, you, you look at rosters, you do these state of the programs, you know which teams are in trouble just by looking at it. And and they have a lot of returning production. But on the other hand, too, uh, there's a lot of super seniors, a, a lot of returning production for a lot of the teams in this conference. And it's just really hard, in my opinion, to go undefeated in the Big 12. For, well, for sure, and I, I think that for me, once again this year, and I said it last year, but TCU is like still just kind of the wild card team in this conference in terms of, like we saw it last year, they could beat Texas, they could beat Oklahoma State, like on their best days, they can kind of play with and beat anybody. Um, but it just for for whatever reason, and I, you know, you could go to sort of offensive scheme stuff, or I mean, there's lots of stuff you can sort of nitpick. You can go to injuries and and depth and some of that, but like, you know. It, it does feel like they're. They, it's not a lack of talent over the last couple of years. It, it feels like they have underachieved for what they've been working with. But maybe that part of that is just yeah. Everyone in this league has to play six really close games, and you know the years when you go three and three in those, then you may end up like closer to six and six. Yeah, I mean, you look at TCU's schedule right now, and you you look and you see SMU, Texas, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma in a five week period. Um, But then you look at the back end and you say, hey, they've got West Virginia, Kansas State, Baylor, Oklahoma State, and then two weeks later, Iowa State. And all five of those games, I think, would be a four-point or less spread. And it's like, you have to be really, really good to get through those, those games without losing. And it's just kind of an interesting thing because TCU in the past, like you said... What are they seven and one against Texas or seven and two against Texas in the last nine years, um, and then they turn around and they lose weird games that they shouldn't lose. And you know, finding that consistency and the ability to get through a schedule and, and win the close games is the difference between a five loss season and a, and a season where you might be in the conversation for the Big Twelve championship at the end of the year. So where do you come out on them after going through this? Do you think this is a eight, nine win team that has a chance to go to Arlington or are you, do you kind of until, or have we reached a point after a few years now of sort of like, see it when you believe it, like maybe err on the side of caution of a more of a six, seven win kind of season. Can I ask you guys this? When you did your state of the programs, do you find yourself buying into the team that you're writing about? I find myself a little bit, if if they're if they're convinced that they're good, then I'm a little bit more convinced that they're good. But that's you have to temper that, I think. Yes. So because I want to I want to temper myself a little bit, like you said. But I did Maryland as well, and I believe that I was buying. They're, they're going to the into, playoff, huh? No, no, I'm, no. I'm buying. <laughs> well, they're actually recruiting really well, and don't get they me are. started on that train. But I bought way more into TCU than I did to Maryland. And I know that those are completely different programs in different parts of the country that aren't recruiting the same. And, you know, there's no similarities whatsoever. But I felt like, wow, this team has a chance to be really good when I was done with the call. And then when I did the the stats and I looked at the roster and, you know, the thing that I think is most exciting about TCU, and I know that you know, a lot of the comments that I got on the story was, well, they're coaching on the offensive side of the ball is going to get in the way and they won't be able to, to, to get to where they need to be. But they have a really good chance of scoring points. 
And in this conference, if you have a defensive uh, coach like Patterson with the reputation that he has and a team that can score 30, 35 points a game, you have a chance to do some good things. So, you know, I don't know that I believe that they're going to be a, a playoff contender this year by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think that everybody who plays TCU is going to have to, you know, have that circle. And, you know, the, the quote that we got from what others are talking about, right, Max, was about, you know, how talented they are all the time. And I think that's a testament to, to Gary Patterson because the recruiting rankings for the most part, you know, they've had top 25 classes here and there, but they had a, a class in the sixties, I believe a few years ago, and they always look the part, which means that they're very good talent evaluators. They've yeah. got really good developmental, you know, situations there, but it hasn't translated into functional offense. So, you know, if the pieces are in place, you have to kind of feel good about it, but there is kind of that thing of like, can they get the most out of what they have? On the on the offensive front, I I really like Max Duggan. I I I I liked him last year. I know he's had his ups and downs and he's had his health issues and things, but I really like Max Duggan, and I think he can be a very good quarterback in the league. I like Zach Evans. I think they've got some really talented receivers, as you wrote about. Um, I mean, the I guess yeah, the Quentin Johnson, I think, is going to yeah. really take mm-hmm. a nice step this year. I mean, I I. I really think they've got a chance to be pretty good on offense. So Yeah, and J.D. Spielman, the Nebraska transfer, who was, I mean, that, that guy was really good from what I remember, you know, in my time in the Big Ten. So, you know, the pieces are in place, and I cannot wait to see the Zach Evans show. Like, is the, I know they've got three running backs that they're really excited about, but, you know, he was one of the best uh, running back prospects in recent memory, especially out of the Houston area. So, you know, to, to put him on the field and – you know, those are the types of players that, that programs like TCU really need and really need to hit on because getting a, a top-tier five-star running back is a really, really huge accomplishment. I don't think people realize this, but, you know, five-star prospects are five-star prospects, but it's really hard at certain positions to get that distinction, and, and running back is one of them because they they use those um, positions as a way to correlate where those positions are also selected in the NFL draft, which is why you don't see a lot of like five-star centers and guards running around. Um, So he is a legitimate prospect that, you know, was productive in his freshman year and has a chance to be really, really good. And, you know, we've seen in the big 12, like B. John Robinson, I think is going to, I've been obsessed with that guy since I saw him look like a a Greek God when he was 17 years old. Um, But there are a lot of really good running backs in the league. And I think that having a, a legitimate runner to go along with with Duggan, who, funny enough, led the team in rushing last year. Um, put that together with some of the receivers. Their offensive line seems to be in pretty good shape. Like, they should be able to score. If you're smart about how you use them, you got a real good chance. I think uh, – I'm a little bit less uh, high on Duggan than Jason, but I think if they let if they cut Zach Evans loose and they're smart with how they use Duggan in, in the run game, I think they could really cause some problems for opposing defenses. I think they re- I agree with you, Ari. I think they really got a chance to be good, and I think they got a real good shot of being the team outside of Oklahoma and Iowa State that flirts with a, a berth in the Big Twelve Championship game. But but a lot of it, I think, hinges on Duggan. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10 
$10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It's funny enough, the hardest thing to do in coaching is what? It's to get the guys. You know, that's the hardest thing. They have the guys. So, you know, I know they have some some staff changes that uh, on the offensive side, but the, the person who's going to be calling the plays this year was also the same person who was calling them the year they almost made the playoff in 14. So, you know, the game has changed in the six years since that's happened, but you have to, you know, kind of, you know, give somebody the benefit of the doubt here. And they have a lot of, of veteran coaches on this roster too in, in special assistant positions and analyst positions that hopefully can kind of help them put the pieces together. Well, thanks so much, Ari, for, for joining us, for hopping on to talk a little bit about the Horned Frogs. And that actually leads us right into our next state of the program that we want to talk about. And it's one that ran on Wednesday this week. And uh, that was Sam's uh, state of the program about the Texas Longhorns in the first year of Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, I think it's a program everyone is interested in uh, to see what happens. Is Texas back? It's the same conversation we have every year. Um, but... It's a worthy conversation. And Sam, I was blown away. And I told you this before we started recording. I knew this, but I just seeing it in your story kind of blew me away. 101 and 16 from 2001 to 2009, 78 and 60 cents. I mean, that is, that is a pretty stark turn. Yeah, that's... Did you say turd? It sounded like you said turd. <laughs> I had turn. Uh, turd. Texas fans would yes. also call it a turd. Uh, hey, you know what? Turd. If the shoe fits. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they've gone 11. The last 11 seasons, they only have one double-digit win year. It was 2018 when they went 10-4 and and went to the Big 12 title game, lost Oklahoma, and then uh, won the Sugar Bowl, which we remember Sam Ellinger said, we're back. (laughs) And then they went 8-5. Huge miscalculation. They went 8-5, (laughs) 7-3, Tom Herman's out of a job. So, yeah, that's the thing. So, we're here now. Steve Sarkeesian is the fourth head coach that they've had since they went to the national championship game in the 2009 season. Of course, Mac Brown was still coached then, then got run off and uh, pushed out in the end of 2013. Then they went to Charlie Strong. He got three years. Tom Herman got four years. And now we're on to Sark. And I feel like we're just in this cycle of they're just going to keep doing this until they land on the right guy, until they land on the guy that gets them back into a conference championship game, uh, into the college football playoff, assuming that we get this expansion done in a few yep. years into the college football playoff. But this is essentially what it is. It is a cycle of change until you find the guy. And the question is, is Sark the guy? That's what everybody has asked me this offseason when I've gone around to trips, you know, from Lubbock to Fort Worth to, you know, wherever. Is, is Sark going to get it done? I got no clue. And neither does Texas. This is just the bet that they're making right now. Spending $34 million on it to try and see if it works. And ultimately, and look, it's going to... a place like Texas, they will have made, the, made up their mind after like year three if yeah. he's the guy or not. And that's the thing. And so my, my thing always is with Texas is, are they going to allow him to do the job the way he wants to do the job? Or are there going to be 
too many cooks in the kitchen like it usually is. So if you if you let him do what he needs to do, then yeah, I think they've got a chance to be pretty good. It, it all comes down to recruiting and quarterback play. And and if if they recruit at a high level and they have a really good quarterback, then you've got a shot. And uh, that's been the thing is throughout their time in this last decade of being lost, they they have recruited well, but they haven't always had a great quarterback. And then they finally got a good quarterback. But then they started having some other issues within the program, and, and it just became unsustainable at the end under Tom Herman. So they, they've got to get everybody aligned. You've got to have really good recruiting, and you've got to have a good quarterback. And and I, I think with this expanded playoff, this is a team that can get in the mix if they can generate some momentum here in the couple of years. And the thing is, is Sark has taken over a job that is not a rebuild. They were 7-3 and three and lost three close games last year. They should be pretty good. I don't think they'll win the Big 12. I don't think they'll even get in the Big 12 championship game. But they should be at least a team – that's kind of in the conversation toward the end of the year. If they can generate some momentum, when the, if the playoff starts in 2023, this shouldn't be a team that is in that conversation. So I'll, I'll just come out and say, it. I, I think they're like a seven, eight, nine win team this year. I agree. I, I don't think that I don't think they're on the same tier as the top two. I think TCU and Oklahoma State are maybe competing to be that number three spot. I don't. I don't know. I'm not sold yet that Texas has a chance to finish third in the Big Twelve this year. And look, they they did last year, right? Like they're they're really close last year, but. Um, I specifically, Sam, do you, does it, let's start at quarterback. Does it matter? Does, I mean, do you, I, yes. I, I think cards, the better guy, mm-hmm. I'm not sure cards going to win the job. I think cards, the better player. Um, what are, what are your feelings kind of coming out of, um, reporting this piece and, and, and sort of like weighing the upsides here of like, what? Where do you think they're going to go there, and how much does that affect the ceiling? That's the, that's the question, because if you go card, Casey Thompson's transferring, right? I mean, there, there's no way yep. Thompson's staying if, if Card's a starter. And, I, I, I think it's true both ways. I, yeah, I think it, whoever doesn't get the job is liable to transfer. It, it, yeah, it could go the other way too. And if that's the case, then you're in you're in trouble because you have no depth at that point. You have Charles Wright, right. your three-star true freshman, who you yep. just signed you know, from locally from Austin. That's your only other scholarship quarterback on the roster. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. And I, I will say coming out of spring – I thought both of them were all right, and I thought both of them had some really, really bright moments. I thought both of them were really flawed. Uh, if I, if you made me pick one today, I'd probably pick Casey Thompson, but I, I agree with you. I think Card is but probably what, the higher ceiling. Are we talking about what we think they will do or what they should do? I think I'm saying what I think they will do. Okay. I, I think Hudson Card has the higher ceiling of the two. I think from a pure talent standpoint, he made some throws that I saw that it was just really impressive to me. But Casey seems to have I mean, he seems to have a grasp and an understanding, I think, that that only comes with being a college player for a couple of years. So I think what he I think what he will do is I'll think he'll start Casey Thompson if I if I'm get getting betting today. But again, they still got to go through camp and, and Sark made it clear that that he hadn't had enough time to declare a starter and that he's that eventually when they go into fall, you know, they'll they'll play this thing out. And there's no doubt he's going to hedge his bets as long as he can to keep both guys on the roster. To me, ultimately, yes, it does matter. But I think what matters more is how you use B. John Robinson because that's the star of this offense. If there's one thing you can hang your hat on is that guy on Saturday is better than just about any other player on the field most Saturdays yeah. that they play. Yeah. yeah, It's true. I, and, I, I, and that came out at the end of the season. And and also, can you can you block for him, right? Can you get that right. online right um, in, 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 a, in a place where – obviously, Kyle Flood's very good at his job, but do they actually have the pieces to put together uh, a line that isn't flawed? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they have got a, a lot of returning talent back, and they've got to figure out the pieces. Like where where does Derek Kerstetter line up? You know, he's played every position there is. You know, up front, where is, is he? Is he going to be out at your left tackle? You know, how's that going to work out? Uh, you know, where are the rest of the guys going to line up? Jake Majors probably ends up being your center. Uh, how you know is he ready? Is he going to be good enough? You know, to to take on the full time role? You know, in the middle of there, that's going to those are crucial questions that you have to answer, but. Uh, I will say they, they feel pretty good about where they are defensive defensive front you know at least on, on the defensive line and the interior they feel pretty good with the depth they've got there they certainly had to take some transfers at linebacker but Sark feels a lot better there than he did coming out of spring coming out of spring they were a little worried at linebacker but you know they feel a little bit better now where they are with, with some of the guys that have come in and then and then Dayaway comes back so that that helps. Uh, and then the back end, I think they feel pretty good about. So I think overall this team is pretty talented. It's just a, I, I agree with you though. I don't. Th- I think they're moderately better than they were last year. I don't see them as a favorite to get to to Arlington this year. Oh, I don't know if they're better than they were last year. I'm, I'm, so? I'm not even quite sure I'm there yet. And I'm not saying that's just about like Sam Ellinger and the guys they lose. I just, I just kind of think that. Um, we don't know. They were just such an unpredictable team last year that played a ton of close games. And this is a group of players that's going through another coaching transition that went through nearly a total staff change last year and now is being asked to, to learn something new all over again. And as we've seen, unfortunately, with Texas over this decade, there's been a lot of cases of the coach coming in and being like, yep, these aren't my guys, got to recruit my guys. And, and that kind of leads to year one being bumpier than it should have been. So, so Sam, you think that after three, he, he's going to have three years to, to be impressive, basically. Mm-hmm. That, that's sort of your, your read on the situation. Yeah, I, I think by year three, you better be contending for something. You, yeah. you better be a Big 12 champion in the Big 12 championship. You better be, like I said, if we start the college football playoff 12 team in 2023, you better be in that mix. That's, that's the way uh, I see it. See, and I just think, I don't know how you guys feel about this. I know that it's Texas. I know the everything is so big. The expectations are huge and they've been so, you know, so mediocre for so long, but I just, I just don't understand continuing to do that. I mean, I, I, I still think, and I think I've said on this podcast before, I don't think Tom Herman should have got fired. Uh, I, I didn't think that was fair to do after, after a pandemic year when they were so close. I, I just, I don't know. I just think they keep getting in their own way. And if they do this again in three years, they're just setting themselves back again, right? I, I, I don't know. I guess unless it completely tanks. Yeah, that's the thing. Is I, I think it is a vicious cycle that they're in. I mean, whether what they, I think on Herman, I think they were kind of without a choice at that point. Once they got to December, yeah. I felt like the vibe around the place was just not right. And yeah. I think there was, it, they were kind of at the point of no return in that regard. It was already kind of lame ducks. It, 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 it really was. Yeah. It really was. And so, like, I agree with you on the results. Like, the record wasn't bad. 30 and, no. 32 and 18 is not bad uh, over four years. Nope. And, nope. and they lost three games, again, by, by a possession or less. And so I don't think they were bad last year. And that's why I say this is not a rebuild. But – Something was just off at the end there, and I think that's why they ended up having to move on. And certainly once Del Conte came, and once they made the flirtation with Urban Meyer and, and Del Conte came out with the this is our coach, uh, <laughs> the statement, yeah. statement uh, non-vote of confidence, you kind of move on. But back to your point is, yes, as long as you continue the official cycle, again, like I said at the top, we're going we're gonna to keep doing this until they land on the right guy. And 
I, th- I we, we talked about this but before. But it's such the a podcast. ridiculous cycle. It's like it is well, well, because you're like, man, why haven't they figured it out? It's like because they keep blowing it up. Obviously, well, and they, right? they're, like, they're they're chasing <laughs> something that I think is almost impossible to attain. Right, one hundred one and sixteen over nine seasons is rare air. I mean, they're chasing Nick Saban in Alabama type stratosphere, and it's admirable to try. And I understand why they try because they make they they generate more revenue than any college football program in the country. They are in one of the most advantageous recruiting bases in the country, in the state of Texas. Uh, they have more resources at their disposal than just about anybody. So I get why they do it. But the bottom line is, is that in the last four decades, 101 and 16 is the exception, not the rule. But I think they try to treat it like it is the rule, and that's why they're in this cycle. Well, and, and Sam, you know from the other program that you cover closely, like think it's pretty comparable sort of like AM end of Sumlin and, and Texas end of Herman. I mean, recruited good players sort of like bumped into the ceiling a little bit, had, had a obviously high level success, but also sort of lost the confidence that you're going to be able to take it above eight wins or whatever. Right. So what, what did they do? You, you give it to Jimbo and he's leaving the hell alone. Let him do That's his right. thing. That's right. right. Like you, you would think that that is, um, you know, look, people will make up their mind about Sark and Austin within the next couple of years, obviously, but Part of it, don't you have to just say like, all right, let's put the trust in this person and let them recruit the way they want to recruit and build the way they want to build and just stay the hell out of their way. Texas wants to win Texas's way. And and that comes back to bite you in some time instances as we saw last year. Like you said, Texas A&M gave the keys to Jimbo Fisher and just let him drive the car. And that's it. He's got full control of everything. They do everything his way. And so far, it's gone pretty well. Uh, I, I don't see Nick Saban in Alabama getting bothered by what boosters say and, and getting caught up in doing this, that, or the other, running your program a certain way because of what some of the high-level boosters want. And certainly that is a factor at just about every university, but if you want to win at Alabama's level, maybe you should probably treat your program and run it like Alabama does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they hired well, a guy who's, you know, been there, seen it. Yeah, I mean, so so that's the question. So <laughs> does he get does he get that? And, and if he yeah. gets that freedom, if he gets that control – and doesn't have too many people in his ear, then I think you've got a chance because I, I do think he's going to call plays, which is his best asset as a coach. He's a really good play caller. I thought he did a really good job with that offense. Some of the some of the RPO that he, they did at Alabama last year was pretty magnificent. I actually went and saw him speak at the Angelo Clinic uh, down in San Angelo last week, and it's fascinating. Like He's really impressive. He's super sharp, and I think – once they have the pieces that he needs offensively, I think they're going to be really, really good <coughs> offensively. The question is, is can you sustain it over time? And again, it goes back to recruiting. And to me, it's less about good recruiting, which I think they've recruited really well. It's about, can you box out Alabama? Can you box out Ohio State? Can you beat Jimbo Fisher for some of these high-end four-star and five-star guys that Alabama and Ohio State pluck every year? The Garrett Wilsons of the world cannot get out of Austin. You cannot let Quinn Ewers go to Ohio State. Those are the wins that Steve Sarkeesian needs to win. So in order to win at that level, those are the wins you have to get. It's not, okay, we get a top 10 recruiting class. No, you've got to get those guys if you're going to get back to where they Texas wants to be. Well, as we also learned from Tom Herman, when you recruited that top five level, not all of those guys are can't-miss guys that are ranked super high, too. So there's got to be a very – and I think Lincoln Riley's done an awesome job with this, and, and you see the results. But it, the evaluation piece and actually like getting – you know, legit players, you know, that with that will put in the work and, you know, are highly motivated and, and all that. Like, 
that's a, that's a piece of this too that Alabama and Oklahoma and others do really well, and Texas I think has has come up short over the last few years. Is Steve Sarkeesian analyzing player urine? That's what I want. <laughs> I haven't been in the you know, facility, we been so in the I building. Can't... We haven't seen. I was going to say, yeah, it, we yeah. haven't had in person access at Texas, so I haven't been able to go into the bathroom at Moncrief, which I don't know if anybody can go in the bathroom at Moncrief because it's under construction. But That's a very uh, good question. But but that was where. Yeah. By the way, Jason, I don't know if you know that, but when in Moncrief, like right down the hall from where the press conferences happen. We when we went to press conferences, that was where we went to the bathroom, and so that's how Anwar Richardson and all of us saw that because it's posted right there on the bottom of the first floor is uh, the urine chart in Area Fifty One, and you are a bad guy. Like also, yeah. also has anybody ever <laughs> asked? Is the bad guy? Does he have to go to the hospital? Does he need dialysis? Because that color was very troubling. Yeah, well, I, I do have to say, I the references you're making and saying Moncrief, none of those words mean anything to me because I, that, is, that <laughs> his, is the one Big 12 stadium to visit I've yeah. I've literally never been to a game at Texas, and I never will probably. So you know what? Hey, funny story. I've never been to Red River I this know, year, maybe. man. I know year. we need we need to have it, have it happen this year. Every I even asked in my last job, I asked to go one year, and they sent somebody else, and I was not happy. So. Greatest uh, atmosphere in college football. In yeah, we should get Dave on the pod sometime. That'd be fun. We really should. No, well, it wasn't Dave <laughs> that they said. It was Dave and I both asked one year, and neither one of us got to go. So oh man, we do fun need times. to get Dave, Dave on the pod soon. But uh, yeah. but no, here's the bottom line on Texas. Is I think Max, you and I disagree on this year. I do think they'll be a little bit better. And I think in a large part because I think Sark's going to be smart enough to give the ball to Bijan Robinson. And I'm not saying they can't be right. Yeah. I, I, it's more a skepticism than a. Like, oh, I understand than, than it, that it's they. I don't think the ceiling is low for this team mm-hmm. by any means. It's just a how far can you actually put? Yeah, it, I, how much can I, you put I, it all together right away here? I right think away. Oklahoma and Iowa State are one two without question. Yeah, and then three, I think it opens up, and I, and we talked about it earlier in in the episode. I think TCU has got a really good shot to be that third team. And I'm not really going to pick Texas above TCU until Texas beats TCU consistently, which they have not. They've lost six out of the last seven to Gary Patterson. Right. So it doesn't make sense to pick them. But that said, I do think eight and four is possible. I think it's probable. I think if they go nine and three or ten and two, and I think if they are able to sneak into Arlington, I think you treat that as a huge win as a Texas fan. I think that's a huge first step. For Sarkeesian, can that happen? Possibly, who knows? But I do think they're an eight or nine win team probably this year. And the other side of that is if they go seven and five and they're playing in the damn Texas Bowl again, then hopefully people can, can maybe like have an ounce of patience and not just be like blow it up again, you know? Yeah, yeah, that'll be interesting <laughs> to see. I, I don't know, but uh, there's certainly what, what's going to happen to the model all gas, no breaks if they're seven and five and playing the Texas Bowl. Yeah, they're well, setting you themselves know, up for some puns here down the road. That is true. Well, look, I mean, I covered Arkansas guys when Chad Morris got that job and said in his opening press conference they were going to put the hammer down and get in the left lane, and we all saw how that worked <laughs> out. So sometimes those metaphors are a little tortured, look, I think. you still have to put the hands on the wheel, and Chad just didn't put the hands on the wheel. He floored it, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, it was all crashed, over the place. Crashed right into a tree. Um <laughs> No, it, it's but I think they'll be a solid team. I think that they have a chance to show improvement. I, again, I think I think Sark will be good enough to give the ball to Bijan, which I don't think they did enough of last year at Texas. Yep. And I think defensively they're good enough up front, and, and they'll be good enough on the back end that I think they'll have a, a chance to to be a solid team. But I, I don't expect them to go to Arlington, but I wouldn't be shocked if they were able to sneak in there and, and get a spot at the end of the day. Well, and that's fair. That's fair. 
Well, guys, this has been a great uh, return to, to One True Pod. Uh, thank you both for joining. And thanks to Ari Wasserman uh, for hopping on with us to talk a little TCU. That was a fun cameo. That was. That was great. We need to have him on more often. And thanks to all of you for listening. Please subscribe to our show, One True Pod, on Apple or Spotify. Leave us a review and a good rating. And find all of our stories on The Athletic, including those states of the program that we've talked about. If you're not yet a subscriber to The Athletic, you can sign up with our latest promotional offer at theathletic.com slash Pod. You don't just get the best college football coverage. You get all of our sports coverage. So be sure to take advantage, and we'll talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.